Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Alan, I am considering getting a big ticket item before the end of the year so that I can write it off. Oh, you're going to treat yourself. Exactly. I'm not completely sold yet, but I'm thinking about going mirrorless. That's a big change. I know. I know. Because I love that shutter noise, you know? It just... It's like home to me, but at the same time, if I'm gonna make the leap and buy a new camera, I should probably just go into the way of the future. You know what I mean? So what are you thinking? Well, I've been doing some research, which basically means online shopping um, (laughs) between B&H and Adorama. Um, And I'm thinking about the new Canon R5, which I know is a big, big purchase. But I have not bought a camera since 2012. Oh, so. well, treat yourself. <laughs> that, that's a great camera. People love that camera. Yeah, I've been watching some reviews and it looks amazing. People are saying it's kind of the next thing after the 5D Mark IV. That's kind of like what you should do after that. So, and that's where I'm at. So, yeah. Well, I've had my Nikon mirrorless, the Z7, for uh, about a year and a quarter, I think, uh, since it came out. And I got to say, it's really nice having the the electronic viewfinder. I mean, that mm. alone for my kind of old eyes, being able to see, um, and then while you're shooting, be able to review images by not having to look on the back of the camera. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think mirrorless will be the, the successful story in the long run. But yeah, go for it. It's the holidays. I know. I think I think I'm going to treat myself and and do that. That'll be my big purchase of the year. So a couple of weeks ago, you and I discussed uh, the PDN30, and we were very happy to see photographer Mamadi Dumbuya um, on the list, and he made it to the Forbes 30 Under 30, which is a huge, awesome list. And I was super happy to see him on the list, and not only just on the list, but he f- was able to photograph the rest of the 30 under 30 for Forbes. And I think the cool thing about him being listed on this particular roundup is that it brings him to a new audience. You know, not just industry folks are reading the Forbes 30 under 30. You know, this is many more art directors, advertising execs, et cetera, are paying attention to this list. So I just think it's so cool and congrats to him. The crazy thing is he's only 23 years old. He yeah. is an immigrant from Guinea and who grew up in the Bronx. I compared him, you know, when we were talking about the 30 a few weeks ago, I compared his style of photography. It's sort of like the love child between Pari Dukovic and Mary Ellen Matthews in terms hmm. of like this colorfulness uh, and also playfulness to it. And in this particular article, which we'll post at her blog at blog.photoshelter.com, uh, they say that Dumbuya makes his distinctive look by frosting his camera lens with colored gel, casting ombre shadows upon each subject whom he positioned beneath a whopping eight studio lights. Now, this was not written by a photographer because I don't know what the heck frosting your camera lens with colored gel means. Yeah, is that like a new technique? <laughs> but is, is that just a saying? It, I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. And, you know, the article does go in, into depth about how he traveled to four different cities to photograph so many of the, the 30 under 30, of which there are multiple lists, by the way, for different industries. So a really, really large job in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, what a what a cool assignment and thing to do. There was one other photographer who made the arts 
list for 30 under 30 and that's faith couch she's also 23 and she's studied at mica um, and her work is also phenomenal so check that out congratulations to all the people on the list i'm not a huge list guy but you know it has its purpose and it's great to celebrate good work whether you whether you like the list formula or not In photo legal industry news, the copyright lawyer Richard Leibowitz had his law license suspended in the Southern District of New York. And this goes back to a opinion in order from June 26, 2020, in regards to a case that he filed, Usherson versus Banshell. And it was kind of a run-of-the-mill, you know, copyright complaint uh, lawsuit. But as the lawyers went through the process, of the different phases of this lawsuit, it became clear that Leibowitz was, in some cases, lying, uh, in some cases, not uh, respecting the orders of the court. And back then in June, he was fined a total of $103,000, 83000 of which was in lawyer fees to the other side, and then $20,000 uh, for a sanctioning fee. And as a part of that, his name was then sent to the grievance board. And on November 30th of this year, the grievance board decided to suspend his legal license, his ability to practice law in the Southern District of New York. There was a 61-page complaint that was filed back in June 26th, and then a 10-pager in regards to the grievance committee. I went through the 61-page complaint, half of which is just an appendix, so it's really not as long as you would think, but it is still pretty long. And... So what it comes down to, you know, I don't know. I've never been in court before. Uh, I've done some mediation stuff. I've, you know, I've I've gone to jury duty, but I've never been in court. So I don't know what's what's normal. But reading this uh, particular opinion, it seems like he was cutting a lot of corners. (laughs) And a couple quotes that I want to bring out. One of the one of the there were three major uh, areas that was uh, part of this opinion. And it said, number one, Leibowitz lied to the court uh, repeatedly uh, about scheduling, about whether he and the plaintiff needed to be there uh, in, the, in the courtroom. There was a big discussion around whether the, the image was registered with the copyright office. Mm. And it turns out it wasn't. Okay. And so you can't file nope. an infringement claim until the registration of copyright claim has been made. Right. So there's all of this really questionable stuff. There's no point in the opinion where the judge or this panel says that Leibovitz broke the law. Hmm. He just did not act ethically and he lied to the court. (laughs) Oh, God. So my question to you, Sarah, is this. Leibowitz, with amongst photographers, is very popular because he's a bulldog of a photographer. Hence, okay. he's, he's gotten this moniker of being the copyright troll, you know, in uh, in the courts. And if you're on the on the receivership of his uh, suits, then you think, of course, he's a troll. But for photographers who've engaged with him, he's been able to recover a lot of money. So my question okay. to you is: Would you engage his services, knowing that he is not the most ethical person, but knowing that he often gets good results? I like want to see him on like a daytime TV commercial, like those lawyers that are like personal injury lawyers. It sounds like he's that kind of lawyer, you know, where he's grabbing these type of clients. Um, And yes, I would absolutely use his services. (laughs) (laughs) I would. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings. I, I have mixed feelings. I mean, it's it's hard to, uh, you know, if your ends justifies the means type of person. And I think often when it comes to lawsuits, that is ultimately the goal. I mean, you're not, you're not, you know, you don't get a lawyer to get you off of a murder charge and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, they didn't act ethically and, and, and now I'm found not guilty. So I'm going to hire someone else to be retried, you know? So it is about the, the ends in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. when you read through the complaint, there's just time and time again of these violations and the lying. And that's why the sanction went into place um, as a result of the repeated pattern of ethical violations and lies. So as a part of the opinion Back in June, it said, Mr. Leibowitz shall be required to serve a copy of this opinion and order on Mr. Usherson and every other current client of Leibowitz law firm and to file it on the docket of any pending case brought to Mr. Leibowitz or any attorney working for his firm, as well as on the docket of any new case brought within one year of the date of the opinion and order. So any person he goes up against or any uh, organization that he goes up against, he has to let them know and the court know that he's been sanctioned. And then the November 30th Committee on Grievances is the committee is unanimously of the view that interim disciplinary measures against the respondent must be put in place immediately. And they note that there have been 19 formal sanctions and scores of other admonishments against Leibovitz. Uh, And so it says respondent is hereby suspended from practicing law in the Southern District of New York, effective the date hereof, pending the outcome of these proceedings and until further order of this court. It is, uh, it is further ordered that respondent is commanded to desist and refrain from the practice of law in the Southern District of New York in any form, either as principal or agent, clerk or employee of another, that respondent is forbidden to appear as an attorney or counselor at law before any judge or court in the Southern District, that respondent is res- uh, forbidden to give another an opinion as to the law or its application or advice in relation thereto as to any matter in the SDNY. And then a few days later, the Leibowitz law firm sent a note to its clients and it says, we hope this email finds you well this holiday season. As you may be aware, one of our firm's attorneys, Richard Leibowitz, i.e. the founder and namesake of the firm, has been temporarily suspended pending a hearing. However, Richard is still able to practice law in the rest of New York State and many other federal jurisdictions throughout the country. So I've seen a few photographers say, well, I, it's time for me to find a new lawyer. So I, I do think that some people find his behavior to be a little reprehensible um, mm-hmm. or they're just concerned about his ability to get good results. Uh, it's kind of a tough one. But OK, yeah. we're, one, you're, we're one and one. Richard's one and one with us. You're, you're, you'd hire him and I'd, <laughs> I would. I'd have some reservations. <laughs> there are a lot of end of year roundups happening um, across publications, but we... The Washington Post caught both of our eyes because the way that they laid this out, they created an essay with nine different photographers' work from over the course of 2020, publishing about 10 images um, per photographer. Photo editor Dudley Brooks worked on this, and all of the work is just phenomenal. Personally, my favorite, I think, is Jelani Rice's work. He has a number of just soft, window-lit, grainy-looking film-style, very simple portraits um, of people in the New York area, protest organizers, artists, social media managers, just a lot of young uh, millennials. And I just, I think the work is stunning. 
This is part of the 2020 photo issue, uh, a big essay called American Crossroads. And in the introductory writing, they reference the year 1968 as this year of uh, incredible upheaval. And they approach this not as a photo essay about COVID or an essay about social unrest or racism, but as a, a visual record of all of that stuff that happened in 2020. Um, so it was an interesting approach, I thought, and highly effective in a lot of ways. I loved mm-hmm. Peter Turnley's black and white uh, mm. work that opened the essay. Um, I also thought, you know, they had a couple of artist slash illustrator style um, essays, one by Mei Ying Lam called The Sound of George Floyd, where she made a, a mask out of the sound waves of George Floyd before he was killed at the hands of Officer Derek Chauvin. So she takes specific words like, please, officer, please, please. She makes a mask out of the waveform, and then she takes other photos and inserts it into that shape of the waveform. And it's just a really, really powerful visualization. Mm. You mentioned Peter Turnley's work and his his images totally caught my eye as well. I love that there is this timelessness in his pictures. Um, and it, it, they remind you that, you know, life continued outside, even though many of us were inside um, or some people just had to remain inside. And obviously they're marked by the masks and by what's going on. You know, it's 2020, but the energy that he captures on the street is just timeless. The other one that really kind of stuck out to me was Mark Peterson, uh, represented by Redux. Mark is shooting in black and white and he's using off-camera flash. Um, And the processing style is very, very high contrast. So as a result, there is a grittiness, which I guess we associate with that high contrastedness of the images. But you know, he's doing a lot of things in daylight where he'll have the subject in the shadow and then he'll pop the flash so that it really stands out. Um, And it just gives it this look. Now we've seen, of course, off-camera flash with like Landon Nordeman um, and a lot of other photographers that we've talked about, but to see it in black and white and in a lot of cases it's at a lower angle. So it's a bit of a monster light in some of the images. It's just visually really disarming to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But great work. The photographers in there, Peter Turnley, Barbara Davidson, Dee Dwyer, John McDonald, Mei Ying Lam, Michael Robinson Chavez, Jelani Rice, Mark Peterson, Jonathan Friedman. Uh, we have links to the story and all of their websites at our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. A few months ago, we talked about the Twitter algorithm, which when you upload a photo uh, to Twitter, the algorithm was isolating on a single face rather than you know multiple faces that might appear in the image in order that they could show multiple thumbnails within the tweet. But what people found was that white faces were predominantly selected as the thumbnail. And when it was identified, Twitter actually apologized in 2020 for, quote, racist image cropping algorithm. A Twitter user by the name of Tony Arcieri tweeted one of the first widely circulated tests. And in his particular image, he took a a long vertical image that had Mitch McConnell at the top and Barack Obama at the bottom. And he uploaded it multiple times. And in every case, Mitch McConnell's face was the one that was selected for the thumbnail. When he inverted the colors, then Obama showed up sometimes and McConnell showed up the other times. And what some people have suspected 
is that the images with a higher level of contrast is what the algorithm is biased towards. So mm. it's not necessarily that the algorithm was programmed to be, quote, racist, like a person had nefarious intent behind the, uh, the algorithm programming. But the end result is that it is racist. And another Twitter user said, something doesn't have to be designed to be racist to be racist. And the other day, an image from the Georgia senatorial debates between Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler uh, kept selecting Kelly Loeffler. So even though they apologized in September, the algorithm is still making the same mistake. What's your take on that? Well, this tweet um, where he, where Anthony tweeted out both candidates literally side by side in the same thumbnail, it, this blows my mind that the Twitter preview literally just repeats her face twice. Like I, I did, I looked at the tweet and I was like, what's, what's wrong? All he did was tweet the same image to of this woman. But no, when you open the image, it's both of them. How, how did this happen? It's, it's messed up. It's strange because, you know, when you read the Twitter comments, there's a lot of people that are taking the tact of, well, nobody designed it this way. It's just happening. So it's fine. And I would argue it's not fine. It's a problem in general with thumbnails, because even when you use Facebook um, and you're posting an external news article, Facebook goes to that article and then pulls an image to be representative of that article. And there is a way through metadata to tell Facebook which image to use. But if your WordPress or whatever content management system that you're using isn't using those tags, then Facebook goes and grabs whatever it finds. And in a lot of cases, whatever it finds isn't actually the cover image that's supposed to illustrate that article. And there's been situations before where the wrong image has illustrated the article and people get up in arms because it's misleading. And I think this mm -hmm. is the problem. You're, you're, you think you're seeing an article about uh, Reverend Warnock and you keep seeing Kelly Leffler's face. So I do think that the way that pictures come to symbolize articles or news events is very- Or even very, just tweets. Yeah, it's, it's very leading to the viewer. And so to argue that it's not a big deal that this is happening or that because it wasn't intentional that it's okay- that doesn't that doesn't pass muster with me. Yeah, I, I understand now. He tweeted the image twice reversed. I get it. <laughs> Took me a minute to figure it out. <laughs> but now I get it. I get why it's repeating her face twice. It it's not right, but um okay. Yeah. But it's not working. It's not working. It's not right. The algorithm is broken. Yes. It should it should simply detect a face and then randomize what face gets displayed. In my right. opinion, that's, that's clearly, how I would write, write an algorithm. That's right. And clearly it's choosing her face both right. times. Yeah. Because I, okay. I, I bet that when they do uh, tests in regards to what has a better click-through rate, the higher contrast images do have a higher click-through rate. Mm. Right? So they're saying, mm. well, if we want better engagement, and again, I'm speculating, if we want better engagement, we want the one that has higher click-through rate, which is the higher contrast image. But in doing so, they're creating a situation where the darker face is penalized as a result of that. Mm. So it's a problem. Twitter, fix it. Jack, get on it. Jack Dorsey, get on it. Jack Dorsey, fix it.
there have been a lot of print sales this year. You might have uh, print sale fatigue. I don't. I think they're all great. <laughs> I, I wish I had bought more um, this year. Diversify Photo is having a holiday print sale um, where all the images are $65. Um, and they're all phenomenal. And I feel like there's a lot of imagery in there that's that's like, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. It's like generic enough where you could give it as a gift um, that would be like a beautiful piece of work on anybody's wall. I no, that it. that's important. I mean, yeah, you know, a lot. The reason right. why photojournalism images are a hard sell is because people don't want to see, in a lot of cases, death and despair on their wall. But these right, are not right. that, right? These are not photojournalism images, or at least not all of them are. Right. There's a lot of beautiful landscapes, um, and then a lot of just like happy people, which we like. We want to see <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> One thing I love about this particular print sale is that they state up front that proceeds are shared 50-50 between Diversify Photo and the artist. So this isn't a situation as we've seen in the past where the artist is making a full 100% contribution on behalf of the entity. So that is great. Now, Mm. the one thing I didn't like is nowhere on the print sale site did I find any terms and conditions around the use of the imagery. Wait, I did, but it's one, it's just one sentence. Yeah. It's at the very end of their of their blurb, and all it says is prints are for personal use only. Which well, I, I guess didn't even co- find that. Covers it. Yeah, yeah, it's at the very tail end. Yeah. Well, that does cover that. Um, I, okay. I wish it was on the individual image page as part of the description so it was clear to the mm. consumer that, that, that there was a restriction in place regarding the image. Because yes. as we've seen yes. with the Whitney, can't take any chances anymore. Right. Yeah. Yep, they really screwed over CN Black earlier this year. But great stuff. So get over there to uh, the website is diversifyphoto.darkroom.tech to buy the holiday prints. You know, there's something really special about British humor. (laughs) It's so dry and it's always so funny. And celebrity uh, photographer Jake Walters had a tweet this past week that just made me belly laugh. Um, He was assigned for The Guardian to photograph Philip Green. He runs Arcadia, which owns like Top Shop, Zara, all these. And Jake Walters says, you know, he arrived on set. He was rude to me immediately. He was rude to my assistant. And so I placed him, he placed him in a very precarious (laughs) part of uh, the landscape which was in between two ma- very perfectly manicured bushes that were m- massive orbs. And then he show- photographed him a little bit from below, so there's a little bit of an angle. And basically, it just looks like a dick, which you're going to have to censor <laughs> out. And that makes me sad. But <laughs> Can we say cock and balls? Oh, yeah, I guess we could. Cock and yes. balls. <laughs> it looks like cock and balls. <laughs> It does. I immediately DM'd it to you just because I was laughing so hysterically. And, you know, we've all photographed that, you know, that guy that's just not very nice to you on set and you want to do something like that. And Jake went for it. He sure, you know, it's a, it's a really nice photo. I mean, he, he uses the sky. There's a lot of good cloud detail. Um, the sun is providing kind of a rim light on the left side of Green's body. He's got a, a light, a nice large light source. It looks like probably a softbox or an octa that's pretty high up 
Um, so it's still casting like a down shadow, even though the photographer is very, very low. Um, but, you know, the outline is unmistakable. <laughs> and sort of the, you know, the arms crossed CEO chairman look, which is totally yeah. overused in business photography, but is, is just so fitting for this particular image. Oh, it's it's so perfect. In an interview with the Huffington Post UK, uh, Jake told the writer that he showed Polaroids of this exact pose to the client. And the only thing they were concerned about was uh, Philip's not wrinkled suit. They were like, mm, the suit looks a little bit wrinkled, <laughs> but they didn't see the full picture. <laughs> now, do you think that Sir Philip Green saw the photo or is it just his PR people? Hmm. I think it was or just his PR. Or do you think people. his PR people are like, yeah, he's a big jerk, so let's yeah. just let his photos <laughs> slide. <laughs> they they totally could have. I mean, I'm sure they know, you know? It's it's a brilliant photo. It's a brilliant photo and it's definitely one you're going to want to check out for sure. <laughs> Love it. Good job, so, Jake. Hats off to you. Hats off, Jake. We're putting out a call to listeners of the podcast. We want to hear your questions or your comments, but we want to get voice memos from you and we're going to play it on the show. So we actually have a form which we're going to tweet out at our Twitter account, at Photoshelter. So check that out and use the Google form to upload a little voice memo snippet to ask us questions and then we'll talk about it on our December 22nd show. How does that sound, Sarah? That sounds awesome. I love sending and receiving voice memos as opposed to text messages. It's just so much faster. It's, it's easier. It's a new thing. Easier. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a new thing, but... <laughs> Alan. <laughs> but it's the easiest way to get your uh, your voice on the show. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, That's exciting. Well, only a few more weeks till the Christmas uh, holiday season. So, Sarah, you got to get your shopping in. I hope you get that Canon R5 and tell us all about the overheating issues. Just kidding. It'll be a great camera. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.